beloved, you are now tuned in to Three Black Men, a podcast about three black men where we talk about theology, culture, and the world around us. The following content may not be suitable if you ain't real enough. Listener discretion is advised because real recognize real. Here's the hope when we look familiar. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Robert. My name is Sam. And my name is Trey. Yeah. Hey, we're the three black men. <laughs> Are we looking good today, fellas? This we is... do. We look. look. Yeah, three, I was just handsome. <laughs> black man. Uh, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good today. I'm if you like just I'm listening looking... to the audio right now, you missing out. Like the video on Patreon, if you just listening to the audio, That's know that we look right real there. good right now. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. three black beautiful men. Okay, yeah. hallelujah. Melanin um, popping, looking moisturized. <laughs> the sweat, sweater game on swole. Yeah, <laughs> I see you with the sweater game, man. Um, so this season we have been talking about liberation. Uh, for those of us who, for those who are just joining us, we've been talking about liberation all season long, trying to flesh out some of the nuances, the edges and the contours of it. And we wanted to talk about politics mm. for this particular episode. You know, something light. <laughs> Sorry, a little right. light flex. Yeah. And, you know, we just had elections uh, recently and we're about to have a presidential election. Mm. Child, the ghetto. <laughs> Um, this is the ghetto (laughs) but i think what i want to start with is there is this misinformed notion i would say bluntly um that we there is one right way to vote and as Mm. christians there is a biblical way to vote and so i i don't even want to wait to the end of the podcast i just want to put it front and center do y'all believe in biblical voting? Yay or nay? Say, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you, yeah, okay. So that's that's an you do. So go ahead and say it. Well, it. yeah, I was gonna say it's an interesting question. Um, I I think I would say that it's probably not what most people think it would be. Um, yeah. I think there is a lot of, um, I'll say malpractice in the way that we love our neighbor in our voting, uh, from, from the polls. Uh, and that, I mean, and that's, that's just the, the guy's honest truth. Um, I think that a lot of people believe wholeheartedly that they have a theology that supports their politics, um, but if you followed <laughs> Three Black Men <laughs> long enough, uh, you've probably heard Trey say multiple times about how there are many political systems, like there, like there are theologies that are literally built on political beliefs, right? Yeah. Political ideologies, and that holds so true because I, I think ultimately, I think if you, if most people actually looked at their voting practices or their voting their po- political beliefs. Um, there would they wouldn't find too much of a justification biblically for it. it be, it's one of those things where it's kind of implied, you know, they might say, well, it's implied or uh, it's probably just something just picked up 
because this is what my sect of Christianity believes. So uh, I would say that I do, just not that way, mm. in a sense. But I don't know if I would call it biblical, just because like I I think it's godly. I think it's just mm. and righteous, and I think I don't think everything in the Bible is that. So yeah, no, I get yeah. we could. <laughs> Go ahead, yeah, Trey. What do you I know think? I for sure wouldn't call it biblical because that doesn't make any sense. Um, like the actual descriptor. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to make it sound like a like a rebuttal or nothing. Like, like in general, you good, bro? <laughs> heard, I got this little challenge where I like to replace the word biblical with librarical and see if something still makes sense, right? And when it comes to a, a biblical way of voting or something like that, we what do you mean by that? which part of the Bible are we talking about? Because there's not one author with one viewpoint present. And to that end, there are lots of different stories and lots of different messages that we could take away from the Bible about how this world of ours ought to be structured. And you can tell that based upon the many ways that people who point to the Bible have structured their churches, their lives, and their communities. They don't all look the same, even in our own American context, right? And when you look globally, it looks much differently. Uh, and so, no, I don't think there's a, a biblical way, like one way that the Bible is pointing us to vote. If you put a gun in my head and, and make me answer that question, I'm going to tell you that, oh, yeah, like if you look at a Christian ethic that is derived from the Bible, there is one way you should be leaning. It's going to be a lot different than the way that most people who would make that same argument <laughs> would conclude. But that's because we're all carrying biases and only some of us are bold enough to admit it. Yeah, I, I like what yeah. both of y'all Y'all saying y'all talking real good right now. Um, y'all rapping real good. I I think for me, I view voting with the same ethic that I have in my life. I I want flourishing and wholeness for the the most multiply marginalized, and I want to vote in such a way that their needs and desires are centered, right? And the problem with, you know, Sam, you kind of touched on it and you elaborated, trade. The problem with having a, a biblical thought on voting is, one, there are many authors and everything in the Bible is not liberating. <laughs> a lot of things are not. <laughs> in fact, um, there's a lot of things that will put people in chains, literally. And so uh, I, I think for me, viewing a, a biblical way to vote in flattening things down to that that way of thinking presupposes that we all are interpreting it the right way which is kind of what Trey was hitting on and y'all I still had ethics before I became a Christian I think there's yes. a lot of ego and arrogance yes. that we as Christians can possess and we're like a biblical way y'all do <laughs> Never mind. But I, in some ways, I was being more, quote unquote, biblical or godly before I became a Christian uh, than people that I knew. Right. And so there are ways to look at humanity outside of Christianity that I still respect. Right. Um, I do hold to an ethic of life and flourishing and wholeness. Um, yeah. So that's some initial thoughts. In all honesty, I think what you said toward the end there, life and flourishing and human respect, if that is not at least tangential 
or, or approaching the heart of the gospel and what is the gospel worth, right? When we talk about salvation, if that is what we're taking away from the Bible, which, and I need to point out to some people, a lot of, we use the same language across a large portion of Christendom, but we're not all talking about the same things. So sometimes when I say that, oh, that's the heart of the gospel, right? Pointing people toward wholeness and healing and what it means to live in the fullness of what God has called you to. It's going to sound like I'm being light-footed. Like, no, the gospel is the overcoming of sin. Yeah, we're saying the same thing. We're just ascribing different definitions to these same words here because that is what overcoming sin looks like. And so if that is your ethic, then yeah, that should guide the way that you vote. What becomes the problem and where this becomes a messy conversation is that when we talk about sin and the sins that need to be overcome, what we're thinking about when we say those words is going to determine how we feel our voting should address that. If yeah. I say sin and you only yeah. think about sex, then you're going to yeah. think that you need to vote a certain way. But if I say sin and you're thinking about systemic issues and the reality of poverty and what is supposed to be the wealthiest nation on earth and all of these things, then you might feel compelled to vote a different way. And a lot of it comes yeah. down to like, okay, if your faith is guiding your politics or whatever have you, where does your faith lie? And I think there's often a much larger correlation between those two than a lot of people are willing to grant. Even people who claim to have figured out a different way and, oh, I'm theologically conservative or politically liberal. Well, let's let's tease that out a little bit. What do you mean by that, right? Yeah. They don't know what they mean. Listen, I, <laughs> in the words of our brother Van Lee, I don't think you're thinking anything. I, <laughs> I, don't, think, I don't think you're thinking a, a damn thing. Listen, I, I think there's, <laughs> among other things, I think, you know, when we go into the voting booth, there are people, many people, and this is what I used to believe, is that our Christian responsibility is to establish a theocracy. And there is this thought that if Christians are running the government, we <laughs> know that everything will be better because there is a long track record of Christians running things for the betterment of all people amen yeah you you know what i think like <laughs> just kidding I, for those who cannot read sorry, <laughs> that was all sarcasm right. do not at me like i disagree no we don't have a long track record of that we actually have the track record of the opposite right it's i love god worst. i am a christian but the track record the math is not mathing uh, go ahead Sam. yeah it ain't good no i was gonna say too i think um we have been historically fed a gospel or a Christianity that's really kind of been the backbone of capitalism, right? Like everything that America Ooh, has yeah. done horrible, they've backed up the theologically from slavery. You know what I'm saying? There's always been some sort of biblical support of that. And theology in America, like I can't speak for anywhere else because I live in America, but theology in America, had it's only evolving as far as our our political beliefs right and as long as we continue to treat people like commodities our bodies as a commodity instead of look looking at um how sin affects us in what way uh and in 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 broadening our definition and understanding of what sin is and realizing that there is we literally live in a sinful economic and an economic system that's inherently sinful right in in the way that it in the way that we it it allows for the abuse of humans on a daily basis, right? And 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 the crazy thing is, it, it just it just sort of evolves into 
something different over time, but it's still something that's very harmful, detrimental, and ultimately, I think, really keeps a lot of people from knowing God in deeper and more intimate ways. Yeah, I think about uh, in a previous episode uh, that we did on the cross, pain, and suffering. That was a bomb episode. I was listening to that today. But we, you know, but we talked about crucifying realities and crucifying structures. And so the thought that is foremost in my mind right now is that part of the way that I particularly vote is in such a way that I want to remove crucifying realities from people. I want to make it easier for people to live so that their marginalization is not the thing that undoes them, right? Like Mm -hmm. I want, specifically, I'm thinking I want kids to be able to eat at school, right? Like that matters to me. I want everyone to have healthcare. Y'all can call me Marxist. You can call me whatever you want to call me, but I want, I want those things. I want women to have the things that they need to, to flourish, to Mm -hmm. evolve, to expand. Right. And so those are part of the ways that I view voting as one piece of dismantling crucifying realities. Right. Yeah. When you speak of crucifying realities, right. That names something or that describes this thing I deal with. I'm one of those people who describes myself as politically homeless. And there are a lot of people who hear that and be like, yes, me too. So you're libertarian. Yes, I knew. Boy, I will punch you. (laughs) I will will hop off of this car. You have been acting so silly since you authored a book. Yes, come on, politically homeless. Yes. But there are people who who hear that and and they'll be like, yeah, because the Democrats are so-and-so, but the Republicans are so-and-so when they're talking about a centrist. And I'm like, no, beloved, that is... Not me at all. The reason I call myself politically homeless is because in the United States of America, we have basically a two-party system where there is a conservative party and then there is a very conservative party, right? And for that reason, I can't find myself at home in none of these places. And the reason I say that is because basically, if you look at the Constitution of the United States of America, it's not that long. It outlines the way the government is supposed to function. Then we have the Bill of Rights, the first 10 amendments, which talk about the rights that are protected uh, for people from the federal government, right? We have that whole situation. That document doesn't last a full hundred years before we have an all-out civil war. Before we have the bloodiest, to this very day, 150 years later, the bloodiest war in the history of this nation happened less than a hundred years after they ratified that constitution and the Bill of Rights. In a sensible country, they would have gone back and looked like, yo, this clearly didn't work. We need like a new one, but that's not really what happened. Instead, construction amendments, which to their credit, did have the potential to really change the face of this country. In one fell swoop, it abolished most slavery in the 13th Amendment, right? Uh, most meaning that you are still allowed to be enslaved or forced into labor if you are convicted of a crime. But other than that, um, it freed almost 1 million enslaved people at the time. It fundamentally changed what was at the time a slave society. And then we had at that point in the 14th Amendment, uh, citizenship is defined for the first time. And like, yo, maybe these formerly enslaved people can be citizens. The fabric of the country has changed right there. And then the 15th Amendment talks about voting rights. And I bring all that up because All of that stuff fundamentally changes the country, but the conservative movement from that point on is about restraining the federal government from actually enforcing those amendments. And we have this idea of, oh, that's not what the founders intended. So what? It doesn't matter what the the, the founders gave us a document that did not save us from a civil war within their grandkids 
didn't get to see uh, yeah. a United yeah. States of America at that point, right? And at that point, like, no, I don't, I don't care what the founders intended, and we need to get away from that. And we have two parties that are actually bound by looking through. Oh, this is what the founders intended. I do not care. We need to get beyond that because yeah. in those three amendments, people move beyond what the founders intended. And so, for me, when you talk about moving beyond crucifying realities, the way I'm voting is looking for renewal. How can we move beyond the yeah. the, the things that literally enslaved my ancestors? into uh, a society that moves everybody closer to liberation, freedom, wholeness, all of those things. That is the ethic that guides both the way I read the Bible, the way I read the Constitution, and the way I read my ballot. You know, it's crazy. Like, the more, like, the more that I sort of tried to pull away from in the intentional um, biblical voting, right, in, in that sense, uh, and tr- tried to lean into an ethic of care, right? Even in, in my voting habits, right? Um, uh, the more that I feel like, yo, this is really where God is. You know what I'm saying? Like, this may not be like, that may not be the popular like Christian view to have, but like, God cares about people. God cares about the whole, like that girl that that got the gospel message is about wholeness and if we can't have an ethic of care to even care for the for the least of us right or or those that we may see as the least of us like what are we really doing here like it's it's is that how is that not greed yeah so yeah i think you know when i was listening about the you talk especially you trey uh is we've been talking in my phd classes a lot about what it means to be human and how we define what humanity is, right? And a, a lot of those notions are, it can be argued about, but I think something that's helpful, I was thinking about what can anchor us as we go into this political season is part of it is thinking about what does it mean to be human, right? Like, how do we define that humanity? And part of those original documents was kind of paring down who gets to be human, who gets to have a soul, who has rights, you know, who is a whole person and who is a fifth of a person, a three fifths of a person, you know, right? And so, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that, and then secondly, I was thinking, um, you know, we're making a lot of jokes in this, you know, we're, we're weaving in humor into this, but I do know so many people who feel torn with their spirituality as they think about political events, political topics, right? Political, you know, how do we engage in the political process? And and I do want to speak to that, right? Because some people may say, yes, um, it it matters that we vote for, you know, medical care for all, but what if that person is for abortion? I don't know, right? Like how, you know, how do I discern what is most important, right? And um, that is a difficult thing. It has become less difficult for me, particularly like there's, I have a true North, but I do want to speak to that for a second is like, for that person that's wrestling, they might be, hey, this person might have nine out of 10 things, but they support abortion, or they might have nine out of 10 things, but they support gay marriage. They might, you know, like, um, what would y'all say to that? Like, how do you anchor yourself? What is your true North with these things? 
you know i um have come to rest in that some stuff isn't just it's just not my business um as far as uh <laughs> who another person decides they might love or marry um I don't know why that would need a national a national stage. Um, it's just weird to just want to block people from loving people. Like the world is really cruel, and I think that's a really good example of how cruel the world can be to tell somebody, "Well, you can't love this person." Um, and, and and other things like I think those like abortion is a difficult decision. That's a difficult task that like that's a difficult subject to even talk about right um and I think those are things that I leave for people and their families to decide that's not so that can't sway my vote like my my ethic of care would allow it says that they should be allowed to make that decision for themselves yeah. And if they include people inside their community, that's their business. But I, that's not going to that shouldn't sway. And that's not going to sway me um, voting because that like that's. Yeah, I, yeah, there are things that that we must vote on yeah. that are harmful to us. Right. Like right. we we do hold to certain truths right across, you know, religious differences. We all agree that murder is wrong like absolutely you know there are these things that we must vote on but i i think where we get caught up is where is the delineation between my preferences Mm -hmm. and my what my spirituality may be calling me to and then thinking that i must legislate that Mm -hmm. right in this in the sense of like I think everybody should wear sweaters like me you know it's like no (laughs) you know we don't want to wear sweaters like that you know, and thinking that God is mandating that I I enforce this because somehow this is more pleasing to God. And so where I I I personally, my answer to that is I've divested from thinking that way, right? Like my job is to make a safe place. My anchor is God is seated, right? Like I know that sounds extra spiritual, but no, God is seated. God is not. God is my one vote. God's not like, well, I had a master plan, and then, like, you effed it up, right? Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Trey. Yeah, my answer to this is two pronged. Because um, one of the more interesting uh, courses of study I, I had uh, the privilege of undertaking in seminary was um, this track on religion and the law. Right. And we spent a lot of time with the First Amendment, which uh, the First Amendment, the first clause of that reads, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Right. Before we even get to freedom of speech and the press and the assembly and all that stuff. The first thing is Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of uh, respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And I bring that up because, number one, that means constitutionally speaking, even if uh, you grant that the Constitution is at times trash, which I do, um, the First Amendment of the Constitution, the very first thing they said we need to fix is like, nah, the state that we are creating here, this nation has no business regulating religion. And I bring that up because in sheer humility, we have to acknowledge that a lot of the times what our religious preferences are cannot have any bearing on how we structure this nation. 
that's Hello. in the constitution right so when we talk about gay marriage for instance we say oh the biblical I, 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 let me stop you right there constitution says you can't bring that up um because right there and we, y'all don't be knowing what y'all talk about yeah you really <laughs> say biblical marriage you really so. don't right <laughs> even if even if you did even if you had the, the soundest theology in the world it don't matter because the con we can't make any laws establishing a religion and we can't prevent anybody from freely exercising their religion which brings me to a second point I've spoken to a, no, a number of Jewish people. And to be clear, Jewish people are not a monolith, but they say, look, my religion actually mandates that we have access to abortions. Because, and, and, and it is true, it's a Jewish belief that if the, the life of the mother is in danger, then they need to be able to get an abortion. That is a religious belief of theirs. And if we are legislating against that, then we are prohibiting people from the free exercise of their religion. So a lot of times when we talk about equality and things of that nature, they, people file suits arguing about the 14th Amendment, equal protection, due process, and all that stuff. When I would argue that a lot of these things could be argued under the First Amendment. What you believe about religion doesn't have any bearing on my life, constitutionally speaking, right? And you cannot stop me from exercising my religious beliefs as long as there's like a... There's, constitutional language about uh, compelling interest and stuff in the state, but that that's one of the ways I come about how we navigate these things when, when we come to the hangups about that, right? The other problem I have is that after Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist, goes into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights and is tempted by Satan, one of the temptations is if <laughs> you vow down to me, I will give you all of the kingdoms of the earth. And that is the temptation that Jesus rejects, meaning that the way of Christ is in not in in, in domineering uh, societies and, and countries and nations. It's not coming into power that way, but it's actually in the power of your witness, the power of persuasion and doing what Jesus does over the course of his earthly ministry, which is healing people, which is calling people to repentance, restoring communities and things. And that's the way of Jesus. So when we're looking at how uh, like that the, the like you said rob you got the list of 10 things and they're short on one number one constitutionally is that is that one thing a religious belief of yours is so doesn't matter you you can decide not to go and marry somebody of the same sex you can decide that you don't want to have any abortions because that is your free exercise of religion but constitutionally like when it comes to voting can't really stop somebody else from exercising their religion or establish your religion but also from a spiritual standpoint do i want the reality of domination even if it means marginalizing somebody else to be the way that my faith is made manifest the, the the way that my faith is exercised in light of the story of jesus of nazareth Ooh. well i want to put a go ahead sam and then i'll close it go ahead no i was gonna say like i like trey you you hit on something right there and i think a lot of christians especially evangelical christians don't realize that their picture of what evangelicalism looks like in america or what they want to see as christian nationalism is very oppressive and it and it's very domineering it's not one of love it's not one of understanding it's not one of compassion and empathy it is not it is like the crusades but but like a bunch of a bunch of people in suits with pens and papers like <laughs> so I, that's what yeah. i just wanted to add to. no that's beautiful i think you know so as we wrap up as we continue through this is about to be a long election cycle 
Phew, <laughs> we about to get the ads that are condemning you if you don't vote. We're about to get the ads that are condemning you. If you're a Christian, you better vote this way. We're about to get all that. That's about to be ramping up. Um, we about to get Biden telling us we're not black if we don't vote for him. Lord so it's so see. it's about to start up. <laughs> so what I would say is to Sam's point about empathy and compassion. I think if you already don't have people who think differently than you, look differently than you, who share different spiritual beliefs, it might be hard for you going to a, into an election cycle to decenter yourself and your beliefs and think about what is best for the whole, right? And so maybe that might be a project that you might undergo. It's like, how can I vote in such a way that I consider the whole? Right. And consider, you know, if you're a Christian and you listen to this podcast, consider the way of Jesus that uh, Trey pointed to earlier and then think about him among those we would call weak, you know, him being among those who are in prison, those who are sick, those who are hungry. Right. And then vote in light of that. Amen. 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 We appreciate you rocking with us for another episode of Three Black Men. Here's the part of the show where we ask a favor from you. Now, earlier I mentioned a couple of ways that you can support us by joining our community over at patreon.com slash three black men. We have multi-tiered support options and you can get bonus content. If you don't want to do that, you can submit a one-time contribution by finding us on PayPal at threeblackmenpodcast at gmail.com. But we ain't here to tap your pockets. Here's a few ways that you can help us out without spending a single dime. You can stop what you're doing right here, right now, and make sure that you've left us a review and a rating. Don't just give us the five stars. Go ahead and write out how much you love this show and tell everybody about it. Do it on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you at. Make sure you leave that rating and a review, and that's going to help even more people join the fun over here. Thank you so much. I knew God loved you for some reason. <laughs>